Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. Jumbo, jumbo, jumbo. All right, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. I love Kenya, and I love coming to this church. It's good to see all of you. God bless you. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, My name is Luke, and I am a, uh, I guess when I think about who I am, I'm a husband. I'm married to my wife, Dawn, and we have five children, and our oldest is 18, and our youngest is seven, and one of my daughters is in the very back. She'll be very embarrassed, but look back at her right now. She might wave at you. She's not going to wave at you. Oh, she did. The miracle. So, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm a pastor of Vineyard Church in Red Bluff, uh, California. And when I think about ways to describe myself, I would like to let you know that I love masala chicken. And I have been to Kenya. This is my 11th trip. And I love, I love this country. I love this people. And I'm very honored to speak to you. And I also just want to take a moment and say, is it not amazing that Edgar is the new national director of the Vineyard? <laughs> amazing. It just shows how desperate the Vineyard is. Uh, no. <laughs> But I also want to take a moment and honor Noah and Mary uh, just because you have meant so much to the vineyard movement outside of, uh, outside of Kenya, but also here in Kenya. Can we give them a round of applause, too? So, really quickly, I grew up in the vineyard. I actually have been a part of the vineyard since I was about 10 years old, and uh, I've been in church my whole life, and there's been a few times uh, where I went to uh, churches that weren't vineyards because there weren't vineyards around where we lived, but... Um, I want to just maybe flesh out a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit, I think, can bring up a lot of different ideas when we talk about the subject of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some of the words that come to mind for me are confusing. I know some people are really confused by the Holy Spirit. Um, When I was growing up, I went to this church for a while that they would have uh, what they would call Holy Spirit time. And in the middle of the service, they would just say, okay, now everybody speak in tongues. And everybody would just start speaking in tongues, and I was like, what is going on? And I remember as a kid, I'd, I'd invite friends to church with me, and I'd be praying on the way there, please, Holy Spirit, don't show up. Please. <laughs> it just gets so weird. And, uh, and, and a lot of it was just because I hadn't had somebody explain to me that the gift of tongues is in the Bible and that it's not something that we should be afraid of, but it was really confusing. And then I think for some people, maybe you, you might even feel like the Holy Spirit's a little scary. The, the Holy Spirit's scary. Um, I, I know one time I was attending this big revival service and they invited people to come forward and I was watching as like literally thousands of people were running forward to this big meeting and then they invited the Holy Spirit to be there and then they started praying for people and all over the room people were falling down and I was like, what is going on? This is crazy and people were shouting and screaming and running around and and then I've also seen times where I think people, uh, what I now know, might be experiencing some, some sort of demonic oppression and they might have manifestations and the Holy Spirit begins to free them. But do you know what I'm saying? How it can be confusing, but the Holy Spirit can also be at times a little scary. 
little scary. And then I also think another word that we could use to describe our, our thinking about the Spirit would be the word intimidating. I mean, I don't know if you ever have done this, but uh, do any of you ever watch uh, like church services on TV? You ever do that? Like, I love doing that because I love just the comedy that I see. And I've noticed that a lot of times in the U.S., it's always somebody who has a really deep Southern accent, they always, right? Like, glory to God! And they always have a really shiny suit, and they have like, you know, a watch that's dangling from their hands, and whenever they invite people to come forward to get prayer, have you ever seen them smack people before? They do that. I just want to let you know this morning, if you need to be smacked in the name of the Spirit, I will do that for you. I just want to let you know that I volunteer my services, but uh, I, I always thought that was super weird, and, and I think if we're being honest, it's a little intimidating to feel like we have to maybe do ministry that way, or, or we, if, if the Holy Spirit is present, we have to get really weird. And so I think while the Holy Spirit can seem perhaps maybe confusing or scary or intimidating, I think there's few subjects, few topics that are more important for us in the vineyard than really thinking about our relationship with the Holy Spirit, because our relationship with the Holy Spirit is foundational to who we are as a movement and as a church. Um, In fact, it's one of our values. One of our values is partnering with the Holy Spirit. Now, values, I think, are really important, because values, in a sense, kind of keep us on track. And I think that uh, it's really easy for us as individuals and as churches to get off track a little bit. Have you ever stopped to think why it is so important that we receive communion every single week? One of the reasons why is because we need a regular reminder of God's grace, amen? We need to be reminded that we are loved by God and that Jesus died on the cross for us. And so I think values help in the same way that communion functions to keep us on track. Values can remind us of who we are. And so we are, first and foremost, a people of the Holy Spirit. We have been shaped by the cross. We are people of the Spirit. And so what I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about the idea of partnering with the Spirit. And as is our tradition in the vineyard, I want to start by reading a passage of Scripture and then spend a little bit of time talking about it. So I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 16 through 23, and I think it'll be on the screen as well. This is what we read, Um, and just to put it in context, what has just happened is Jesus has just healed a person at the pool of Bethesda, and we read these words. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules, but Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. Let's, let's hear that one more time. Jesus said, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he had not only broke the Sabbath, he had called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does, for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished, for just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone who wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. 
Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we are gathered today in Nakuru, in the mighty name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we are desperate for your presence and we, we long for your Holy Spirit's activity this morning. And so I pray that you would speak to us, you would encourage us, you would heal us, you would transform us, you would convict us. Lord, you would give us more hope than we could ever imagine. And Lord, you would fill us with the love of God. And all of God's people who agreed said, amen. So we're going to talk about partnering with the Holy Spirit. So I had this really amazing thing happen uh, one time. So again, as I was sharing, I grew up in the vineyard. I've always been around churches that are charismatic or are into the Holy Spirit. Like that's just been pretty much my whole entire life. And I was in this uh, season of life where I was really trying to figure out if all this Holy Spirit stuff was real. H- have you ever had it like happen in your life where you're trying to figure out, is this stuff real or, or are people around me crazy? And we all can agree that sometimes people around us are crazy and the Holy Spirit's real, right? So I was going through this season of life, and, and I was hanging out with my friend, and we had gone to this prayer meeting, and my friend, his name was Josh, was one of those radical Christians that constantly is hearing from God and constantly wanting to do amazing things, constantly taking risks for the kingdom. And, and so we were walking from this meeting, and we were going to our car, and as we were walking, he, he stopped and said, hey, we need to go in this, this tavern, this bar right here. And I was like, okay, why would you want to do that? He said, we need to go in here. I I just feel like the Lord just told me we need to go in there. So I said, all right, it's kind of weird. So we walked in, and I kid you not, he walked right in the bar, saw a guy sitting at the bar amongst four or five other people, walked right up to the person and said, hey, uh, I think the Lord wants me to to pray for you. Um, I feel like you've just experienced something that's really traumatic, and God wants you to, to know he loves you. And the guy immediately starts crying. And I was like, okay, this is getting kind of interesting. And, and so as he started crying, um, he started sharing that he had just found out that his dear uncle had stage four cancer and was going to die. And so he was, you know, there to just kind of drink his sorrows away. And so my, my friend Josh said, hey, I'd love to pray for you. He prayed for him. And, and the man, you could tell, as soon as he started praying for him, he had a level of, of like hope and encouragement happening because he thought no one in the world cared about him. And all of a sudden, my friend Josh shows up to say, hey, Jesus cares about you. And then it gets better, though. So my friend Josh notices that he had crutches with him. He said, hey, uh, I noticed you have crutches. What's going on? And he said, well, I hurt my, I think it was his ankle or his knee. I'd hurt my ankle or my knee, and I'm not able to walk. And my friend Josh said, well, I, I, can we pray for you for that? I said, yes. And so he laid hands on him, and he prayed for him. And, and after about a couple minutes of praying, he said, so how do you feel right now? And the man got up, and he was totally healed, completely. And he got up, and he was like, what's going on? And I remember I was like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> Like, what is this about? And, and it was a really a, a, a amazing moment because I remember in that moment wondering how did he know we were supposed to go in that building and how did he know that that was the person that he needed to pray for? How did he know that that man had gone through something traumatic and, and then how did, how did the guy get healed? And, and it was in a part of my life where I was really trying to figure things, these things out. And so after we got done, we went outside and I said to him, I was like, all right, what, how, did you know him? Did you guys set this up? What is going on? And he said, well, when we were walking, I just felt in my heart 
that the Holy Spirit wanted us to go in that room. And so I just kind of partnered with the Holy Spirit, and I opened up that door and walked in. And then when I walked in, as soon as I saw that person, he was highlighted for me. And then as I was listening to the Holy Spirit, I felt like the Holy Spirit said this, and he walked me through the whole thing. And, and it was interesting because at that time, I had been in the vineyard for probably 15 years, 10, 15 years, and, and I had heard many times about partnering with the Holy Spirit, but this is exactly what partnering with the Holy Spirit looks like, is just trying to see what the Father is doing, see what the Father is doing. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about this from, from a theoretical perspective, this idea of partnering with the Holy Spirit and talk about a couple principles for us, and then give you some, some ways to improve your ability to partner with the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. In the Vineyard Movement, partnering with the Holy Spirit is, it is distinctive for us. And, and I want to be really clear here. I believe that Jesus loves the church, and I believe that Jesus loves the whole church. And so, like, the Vineyard's never, ever been a movement that's like, we're so cool, and everybody else isn't cool. Amen. Like, we've never been that way. We really, because of our early founders, we've always wanted to see Jesus bless the whole church. But while that's true, we also have certain things that are unique to our movement, just distinctives that make us who we are. And they don't mean that we're better than other people, but they definitely help situate where we are in the body of Christ. And so when it comes to partnering with the Holy Spirit, I think there's a couple things that we need to realize that are extremes maybe when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this, there's, there's certain movements that seem to have this perspective that we have to do certain things in order for the Holy Spirit to show up. I, I was at a meeting um, probably, I don't know, it was probably 20 years ago, and I was asked to speak at this youth conference, and I was sitting in the back, and I was just hanging out watching, and, and we, we sang songs for an hour. Now, how many of you like singing, just out of curiosity? Like it's, some of you do. Okay, this is great. Sorry, singers. Uh, some of them are not into it, but... I'm, uh, I'm the kind of person that I'm like, I'm good for 30 minutes. And then I'm like, I got to move on. And they were singing for like an hour. And I was just like, oh my gosh, please, can we move on? And this lady got up and she said, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm a prophetess. And I was like, whoa, that's a sweet title. She just knows that she's a, po- a prophetess. And she said, hey, listen, I just heard the, Lord, the word of the Lord. And if we will sing for a little bit longer, and if we will shout a little bit louder, And if we will raise our hands and we will run around in circles, then God is going to show up. And so guess what they did? They sang for another hour. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then after we sang for another hour, she got up again and she said, we're almost there. We're almost there. And so in that perspective, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's like in order for us to be able to partner with the Holy Spirit, we have to jump high enough. We have to shout loud enough, and then the Holy Spirit shows up. And that's like this revivalist attitude. And I want to be really clear. It's not that I don't think that prayer and worship matter. But I don't think it's that we have to do those things in order for God to show up. Amen? We don't have to do those things to get God to show up. So that's one extreme. Another extreme would be the the people who are like, hey, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to let God do it. And so, in fact, there was one theologian at one time who, who, in order to preach the gospel— He would say, I won't preach the gospel to people until I know for sure that they're part of the elect chosen church. And so they won't hear the gospel until they hear the gospel? Like, that doesn't even make sense, does it, at all? So there's these two extremes. And in the Vineyard Movement, we've always tried to to hold the tensions where we're not trying to conjure up the Holy Spirit. 
or make the Holy Spirit show up. What we're trying to do is keep our eyes and our ears open to see what the Father is doing and what the Holy Spirit is at work at doing. And then we want to bless that and partner with him. Amen? And so we base this practice, though, I think what we see in John chapter 5, as we just read, we see the, the five, the, I guess, the, the keys in John 5 to partnering with the Holy Spirit. We see that God is always at work around us. And just for a moment here, just think about that. God is always at work around us. And so one of the questions we might ask right now is, what is the Holy Spirit doing in this room right now? What is the Holy Spirit doing in this room right now? What is the Holy Spirit doing out on the streets right now? What, what is the Holy Spirit doing at all times? And so there's this assumption that God is always at work around us. This is, a, I think, a transformative idea, though. For many years, I really assumed that in order for God to work, I had to have all the right answers. Do any of you ever feel that way? Like you can't talk to people about Jesus because you might not have all the answers that they, that they ask? And I used to be so intimidated. So what I did is I read all these books about apologetics. I tried to learn everything about the resurrection, and I wanted to be able to defend Scripture. And I think those things are important, absolutely. But I was always operating under the assumption that unless I could argue with people um, in a way that would convince them, God wouldn't show up. And so it was like totally dependent on me. But what if God is already at work in the lives of people that you're around? What, that changes the game, doesn't it? Like, what if he's already, the neighbor that you have, that you want them to come to know Jesus, or the people you go to school with, or maybe your spouse is not a follower of Jesus and you're praying every single day, what if you start to assume that rather than you having to do all the right things, what if you assume that God is at work in their life and you're simply trying to hear and to see where God is at work so you can bless it and partner with Jesus? It changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. And so we see God is always at work around us, and we also see that Jesus demonstrated that we have to keep our eyes and ears open around us to see what God is doing and then bless it and join in. So that's what we see in John chapter 5. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to share three ways to better partner with the Holy Spirit. So um, if you're here this morning and you want to see God's kingdom break in and you want to see God do amazing things in the lives of people outside of this tent, then you have to partner with the Holy Spirit. Amen? You have to do that. And so here's three ways to better partner. And the first one is this. We have to keep our eyes and our ears open. We have to keep our eyes and our ears open. Have you, um, have you heard about how in the vineyard we like to keep our eyes open when we pray for people? Have you ever noticed that? And, and did any of you, when you first found that, find that a little weird? Like, is it still a little weird for you? I still, I'm like, I'm like, I'll be like praying for somebody with my eyes closed. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a vineyard guy. Go open my eyes, you know? Or if I'm around certain vineyard people, they'll like hit me in the head and tell me to open my eyes. I'm like, oh. So why do we do that? Well, one, one reason is because if we have our eyes open, we can actually see God at work at times. Have you ever seen God at work on somebody? Like, this is what Jesus says in John 3. This is very fascinating. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he's talking about this idea of being born again, and he says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when, you, when I say you must be born again. And then he says this, listen, he says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You and I cannot see the Holy Spirit with our eyes, 
but we can see the activity of the Holy Spirit with our eyes. And that's why we want to keep our eyes and our ears open because we can sometimes with our eyes see where God is resting on people and we can bless what he's doing. Or, or I don't know if you've ever prayed for somebody uh, and they start crying. It's, it, it may be an evidence of them experiencing God's love for the first time. And you might miss it if you had your eyes closed. So the first way to, to be a better um, person at partnering with the Holy Spirit is to keep your eyes and your ears open. Number two, we have to, I think, keep it simple, authentic, and be yourself. I, I really believe this with all of my heart. One of the challenges uh, that all um, churches have, I think, this is true in the United States, I think it's true here in Kenya, is that there's this idea that the only person who can do the stuff is the man of God or the woman of God. And like they are the ones who hear from God and they're the ones who pray for people and they're the ones who can read the Bible and things like that. And, and we have it in our mind that because we don't maybe know all the right words or we don't dress a certain way, we can't effectively communicate the gospel. But I really believe with all of my heart that you in this room are more effective and more valuable in the kingdom of God than most pastors. Now, pastors don't like hearing that. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But it's true. I mean, I know that when I talk to people about my faith, oftentimes they just write me off because I'm a pastor. They say, oh, well, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. You're, you have to do this. But when you, as a regular follower of Jesus, who's working a normal nine-to-five job, or, or maybe you're a student, but as you start trying to just be a follower of Jesus and be faithful, people see that, and it's way more effective, I think, for the cause of Christ. And that's why pastors in the Bible are told to equip the church to do the works of the ministry, because we're not supposed to do it all. And so that's why it's so important that you all really intentionally try to partner with the Holy Spirit in all you do. So we have to keep it simple, we have to be authentic, and we have to be ourselves. I, I just find it interesting that a lot of churches that are into the Holy Spirit, they just get weird. They just get weird, and it's like we have to be weird in order to be for the Holy Spirit, and I don't think that's necessarily true. Sometimes things get weird, and that's okay, but it doesn't, it doesn't require that, and so it's okay just to be yourself. If you're, are there, do you know what introverts and extroverts are? Is that a thing here in Kenya? Okay, my wife is an introvert. She told me recently that if she lived in a hole with our cat and our dog, she'd be happy for the rest of her life. <laughs> Like, it, when, when, the, when the lockdown started, she was like, I was created for pandemics. <laughs> and and I, I was just dying. I was like, this is a terrible, you know, like, I need people. So introverts and extroverts are very different. And I think in our type of churches, in charismatic churches, we are really good at celebrating extroverts, right? The louder you are, the more anointed you are. The more willing to take risks and, and be out there, the more than you must really be hearing from, from Jesus. But I want to tell you this morning, I don't think that's true. I think that introverts also hear from the Holy Spirit just as well as extroverts. And, and so I think if, you, if your personality isn't the type that might get up on the stage and, and run around in circles and do weird things like slap people in the face for the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, I'm willing to do that today. Um, if you don't do that, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Just be yourself and keep it simple. The third thing is this. We have to keep on asking for more of the Spirit's presence, power, and activity. Listen to what Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 11. This is um, in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew, 
Um, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches on prayer, and he, he does the Our Father who art in heaven. Well, in Luke's version, he has, he has this really interesting thing that he does. He says these words. Jesus says these words in Luke 11, verse 9. He starts and says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen to that. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, we've all, if you've been in church for a while, we've all heard the ask, seek, and knock, right? Have you heard that verse before? Like, I've heard that verse attached to so many things. Like, when I was younger, oh, you want to get married? You just need to keep on asking, You just need to keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the Lord will provide. And it's true. Or maybe you want children, or maybe you're like, I just want a good job. Well, you need to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. But isn't it interesting that Luke, recording Jesus' word, attaches this actually directly to the inbreaking presence and power of the Holy Spirit? How much more will the good Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so if you're here this morning and you want more of the Holy Spirit's power, presence, and activity in your life, I want you to know that Jesus has said, God promises to give it to you. You do not have to keep on working and relying on that one-time event that happened many years ago. Right now, if you're here and you are dry, you are hungry, you are weary, and you need the Holy Spirit's presence and power, he can show up. Amen? I had this moment in pastoral ministry, uh, when I first started pastoring, that, that like really significantly impacted me. So I grew up going to the vineyard, okay? That's, I've been in the vineyard for most of my life, but there was a small amount of time where I was going to what would be called a classic Pentecostal church. And, and I was going there, and there were a lot of great things. In fact, we in the vineyard have way more in common with Pentecostals than we don't. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying Pentecostals are the bad guys. I love Pentecostals, and I'm a lowercase p Pentecostal, Okay? But I, I remember hearing that if I would go forward and get baptized in the Spirit, everything after that would be so easy. And I went forward, and I got prayed for, and I encountered God. But I found that like a couple days later, I was still feeling pretty weary, right? And so I, I remember feeling that way in my own life, but I was, I was talking to this young lady in our church one time, and she came forward, and she started started crying, and she told me how when she was 16 years old, she went to a church camp, and she went forward when they gave an invitation because she had never experienced God's presence. She wanted to do it, so she went forward, and the person said, hey, have you ever been baptized in the Spirit? And she said, I don't think so, and so they prayed for her, and she had this wonderful experience, but later when she was 19 and 20 years old, she was going through a lot of things, and she felt so weary and so dry, and she told me, I never knew that I could keep on going, constantly be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm here to tell you this morning that if you want to partner with the Holy Spirit, you need to, you need to be intentional to listen. You need to, be, you need to definitely try to be yourself, dial it down, 
and just be comfortable in who you are. But you also need to realize that you can keep on seeking. You can keep on trying to experience God's presence. You can keep on inviting him to show up because Jesus has promised that God is very anxious to show up in our gatherings. Let's stand up together.